The Oklahoma City Thunder have wrapped up their draft class. We're in day two of free agency. Let's talk about how good this draft was for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Where does Josh Giddy, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Aaron Wiggins fall into the collective group of this organization? Let's talk about other winners and losers of the NBA draft from the around the NBA scope of things and also recap day two of free agency. A lot's going on, a lot to get to. Stay with us, Locked on Thunder, on the Locked on Podcast Network. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, site expert over at thundersintentions.com. Me, member Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. That's 405-362-7128. Leave a voicemail over there. Let's dive into this Thunder Draft class. Let's talk about the winners and losers of the NBA draft as a whole and talk about day two of NBA free agency and so much more. Still a daily podcast here at Locked on Thunder. Still a lot to get to. We'll have Summer League this weekend. We've got some Summer League right now. If you're a degenerate like me, you watched the Summer League from yesterday where we're playing in Salt Lake City and Sacramento and these little mini Summer Leagues before the Vegas thing. And so you saw Thunder Legend, your seven, dominate for Miami Heat, who a lot of you, and I mean a lot of you, were enamored with last year and kept messaging me about him last year during training camp. And he's able to go off there in summer league for the Miami Heat right now. And so the Thunder will get in action on Sunday. They'll play Detroit. That'll be a fun game. We'll see if Cape Cunningham plays. A lot of the times top picks don't play, but maybe he'll play for that first game or so. So we'll see what happens there. Now, speaking of the summer league, we talk about the draft class. And this draft class, I think, did not get its proper breakdown because it got swept up by free agency and what can the Thunder do here in free agency and anything like that. Let's just break this draft class down. Every component of every player. Let's start, of course, with Josh Giddy. And the question around Josh Giddy: how good can he be? He's 18 years old. 18 years old. The Thunder have two of the youngest players in the NBA with Josh Giddy and Alexei Pokoshevsky. He's 6'9", and a brilliant playmaker. Fluid in the post. His spin move in the post is deadly. He has confidence from beyond the arc, even though the numbers are not where you want it to be, obviously. He led a professional team's offense. That's, that's not to be undersold. He led a professional team's offense at 18 years old and did it very well. And we talk a lot about players who have Olympic experience and, and, and how right now, for example, Bam Adebayo, he's getting great experience playing with Team USA and being around those kind of players. And Josh Giddy was able to be around the best of the best Australian players with the Australian national team. He got them ready in training camp and was on uh, their roster for training camp and, and it was allowing them to prepare for going to Tokyo and going to the Olympics. Obviously, he didn't make the cut this year, 
but he's in line to make the cut next time, obviously. But you got to be around all these talented players that have been in the NBA, that have had successful careers in the NBA. And so that can do a lot for him as well. He has the ability, which I think is underrated a little bit. I think that we're not talking about this ability enough. He has the ability to get to his spots, especially at the rim, which is weird looking at him, like looking at his, his frame, even though he's 6'9", being able to get to where he wants to go on the floor, no matter the defense, no matter what they're going to throw at him, is not something that you expect from him just looking at him. He can do it. He really can. He's also a very good improviser, which is a good skill to have for an 18-year-old who's going to go in the NBA. Like, imagine you at 18 playing in the NBA. You're going to need to improvise because that speed is going to get to you. That speed change of just now I'm playing against the best of the best in the NBA and playing at a different speed of the game, playing at a different pacing of the game, playing against different athletes, you're going to need to be able to improvise because things are going to break down. Things are not going to go perfectly. The league is too good. The players in the league are too good for you to execute 100% of the time. You have to have that layer of improvisation that Josh Giddy has. Now, there's questions about him. How does he mess with Shea? How, how can he play? And he admitted himself that he doesn't know. How can he play with Shea? He thinks he can play very well. Obviously, the organization does. That's why they drafted him. But, but figuring out that fit will be one of the first issues, if you want to call it an issue, one of the first questions to answer. Now, it, it can go anyway. It can be a great thing. It can be a bad thing. It can be whatever thing you want it to be. How does he play off ball? He said himself he's never played with another lead guard. He's been the lead guard, uh, and he's never played with somebody like Shea before. How do they mesh together? And this will be a thing that happens for them, hopefully for a long time. Because ideally, Josh is so good, he's playing next to Shea for a long time. You have Shea locked up for six years. And ideally, this is a partnership that helps get you where you want to go. So how do they work together? Because this has never been a, a thing for Josh before, to play with another lead guard and a guard like Shea. Not to say he can't do it, he just hasn't done it before. And we'll see some of this in Summer League. Yes, in Summer League, I would imagine that Giddy will play with the ball in his hands a lot and be the point guard a lot. But to kind of simulate playing off ball... They will have t- uh, Tail Mouth on there, who's had NBA experience and has been an NBA point guard before. Last year, of course, his rookie year. So so while Tail is not exactly Shea, it can simulate how is it going to look like? How is your game going to look whenever you cannot have the ball in your hands? Whenever you've got to play off of somebody. And that will take learning, adjusting, and tweaking probably the rest of his career. We'll see how We'll see what the starting point is and then kind of go from there. But again, with his playmaking, his fluidity, his confidence at 18 years old, it gives you a ton of hope for the future. And it's a big deal to still shoot the ball from beyond the arc while you struggle. And in the early seasons, as he said before, he buried himself. Percentage-wise, he was awful to start the year, but he never lost that confidence. And at 18 years old, playing against bigger, stronger, faster, grown men than you, and... Going back 12 months, he did not know at the time he was going to be an NBA prospect, much less a top 10 prospect in the NBA whenever he was digging that hole for himself. That could have all compounded on him. Instead, he broke out of it, found other ways to impact the game, and still kept shooting, never lost that shooting, and progressed as a shooter throughout the season. So there's a ton of reasons to be excited about Josh Giddy. There are. And this is a, a move that the longer and longer you look, at what's happening, and you look at his tape, and you look at his game film, and try to find the context of his game, the more excited you should be about Josh Giddy. I'm excited about Josh Giddy. 
Giddy up. Being able to add that to the soundboard is pretty fun as a diehard Seinfeld fan. I mean, that's my comfort show. But also, we laid out his game right there in front of you. And to take his game a step further and kind of go away from his game, I, I raised the question, does Sam Presti deserve the benefit of the doubt? Sure, we talked ourselves into James Book Knight. Sure, you know, Kamingo was there all year long as a top five guy, fell to seven. But the last time Sam Presti had a pick this high, had a pick this valuable, he drafted three straight MVPs. Now, that's not to say that this is what this pick is. But can we trust Sam Presti enough? And I, and I by no means do not believe that anyone should be a sheep or a shill for any organization of anything. Not sports-related, not no sports-related. I don't believe that that should be a thing. I think that you should be able to speak how you freely feel, and this is how I feel, that Sam Presti at some point, we're talking about an 18-year-old kid who he has way more evaluation points on and touch points on than we do. At some point, his reputation speaks for himself of what he drafts because while he drafted three straight MVPs, and there's a lot of luck involved in that for sure, lottery luck and the whole nine yards, but, but Sam Presti had his pick of the litter, had his pick of Book Knight, who we had dinner with. He had workouts with Kaminga. He saw all these guys up close and personal. Saw every minute, I'm sure, every minute of their game action. And he thought the best thing for this organization was Josh Giddy. And the thing here is, while we have a great track record of MVPs for Sam Presti and his top picks, if Josh Giddy is simply an all-star level player, if you simply develop him to an all-star level, and Shea continues to progress to the to the extent we think he will at 23 years old, you have now drafted your duo. You've now drafted the pairing that will get you where you want to go when you add in whatever Pokashesu becomes, when you add in whatever Lou Dort can progress to as we see Lou Dort last year take a step offensively and a step that is really going to be kind of heightened when this team gets better, not a product of the tanking season, not a product of the roster construction. In fact, the roster construction last year hurt Lou Dort's progression at the end of it because Lou Dort will be much better offensively whenever his role gets back being reduced to being a corner shooter where he shot very well in the corner last year from beyond the arc, being a nice cutter and being seldomly, seldomly asked to use the ball in his hands and be a ball handler. So when you see, when you put all this together, if you trust Sam Presti enough, and that's a big that's a question that you can answer, but I certainly do. If you trust Sam Presti enough that Josh Giddy can develop in this system, in this culture with Mark and this staff to an all-star level player, this is a home run pick. Because not only would it, of course, pair at Shea very well to have an all-star next to him, but also it fits the identity that this team is trying to go after. Now you can question if that identity will work. Can you win a lot of games if everyone on your team is a big ball handling player? Can you maximize every player if you've drafted six or seven or four or five or three or four tall players who need the ball in their hands? And this started back with Darius Baisley. I'd, go, I'd challenge you to go look up Darius Baisley high school tape and, and kind of what got him drafted. He's a big guy who can handle and play make. We have not seen that at the NBA level yet, but that's what, he, that's what his trait was. His elite trait was that. So this started way back with Darius Baisley. And it's been a constant theme ever since. You can ask yourself, can that win? But if you hit on Giddy and you get an all-star, not only does he become an all-star next to Shea, he becomes a guy who fits your system to a T. And then we can start talking about that system and how that system looks whenever you're trying to win basketball games. 
I personally think that this is getting ahead of the curve. And this is the Thunder kind of getting ahead of the next evolution of basketball. You start to see all these young players have immense size and can also play like a guard. You're starting to see that more in the high school level, in the college level, and yada, yada, yada. As I said on draft night, this is not a microwave success story. You're not going to draft this guy and have the instant praise that Detroit got or that these other organizations got. It'll take seeing the bigger picture. It'll take seeing development. And it'll take pressure on the organization to foresee this development. You've got to make Gideon all-star, right? That's kind of a, a contingency plan on all of this. But if you can do it, and as we laid out before about his game, his game leads a pathway towards that. This is a good pick at six. So coming up, we're going to review the rest of this Thunder draft class. We're also going to take a look at the rest of the NBA, who are the winners and losers of the NBA draft. All coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now, my good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your next order. Built Bar has amazing flavors. Coconut, cherry raspberry, cherry barcia, mint brownie, double chocolate brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. My favorite is cookies and cream. I love everything. Cookies and cream. And when I tell you this, folks, when I get the cookies and cream Built Bar, I take a bite. It tastes like I'm eating a candy bar, but I'm not. I'm eating a protein bar. That's good for you. It's unbelievable. I have to check the wrapper every time. Every time I check the wrapper, and most bars have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams net carbs. Amazing flavor. Amazing taste. Very healthy for you. Use them pre-workout or post-workout or even use them as a meal replacement. They're that filling. They're that good. Try them out today at BuiltBar.com, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. If you do not want to take my recommendation, I'm a little hurt by that, but I understand. Go order a mixed box. The mixed box will give you two of every flavor. You can try them all out and then reorder the one you love the most at BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I want to talk right now about Trey Mann. What is the value of Trey Mann? An interesting pick for the Thunder at 18. Little high, but not too high, right? It's kind of in the range. If I if I had him at 20 or 21 on my big board and you could pick him 18, okay. You know, that's kind of in that draftable range for Trey Mann. You're not going to get everything perfect to the exact T, right? Where does he excel at? Where is he good at? Where is he very good at? Let's look at his synergy numbers. A website that I think is, is the best in the business of, in terms of translating advanced stats, eye tests, all that fun stuff, and, and making it a, a detailed and accurate report of a player. This is based on just breaking down all the advanced numbers and getting you almost any resource you want numbers-wise on a player. So here are his synergy grades. Excellent pick-and-roll ball handler. Excellent jump shooter off the dribble. Excellent defensively. Excellent pick and roll defender. Those are all excellence in the category of synergy. And those are all pretty surprising in terms of defense. Offensively, we know this guy's a walking bucket. And being able to master the pick and roll is a really good thing for what's going to be um, a bench player start his career. Like we'll see how his career progresses, but right now, the hope is he's going to be a spark plug offensive boost for you off the bench because you're pretty crowded in the lineup right now in the starting five. 
So whenever you go to that bench unit, you're mostly going to run pick and roll action. You're mostly going to run things like that to set players up. And so he can do that for himself, of course, with him shooting off the dribble, and for others whenever he masters the pick and roll um, and how to be a ball handler in that pick and roll and initiate that offense in that capacity. Now, the fact he's an excellent defender from Synergy, look, that didn't translate too well over tape, but I think that what's happening here as Synergy takes everything, right? Everything, meaning every possession of his game and every single game. What's happening here, I think, is that it's easier to hide a player defensively in college than it is in the pros. You're running some zone, some team concepts, and also you're not playing a roster of 17 NBA players. In fact, most games, you're not playing a single NBA player. So it's easier to hide deficiencies. And so while you might be performing at an excellent level defensively, your matchup is not excellent. So I think that there's natural digression or regression for most players defensively going from college to the pros. Now, of course, the eye test can be very wrong. So maybe he is a really good defender and I just don't have that keen eye to see it. But I don't think he's an excellent defender. I think he's a good defender, or at least a passable defender. And I think that that's the one area where if your knock is defense for any player for, for any amount of time as long as Mark's the head coach, I don't really concern myself too much with that because of how good Mark's been at progressing players defensively. So that was a bit of a surprise to see he has an excellent defender on Synergy. But again, Synergy is a very accurate and, and good evaluator uh, in terms of just giving you the raw numbers and just taking out every other factor in all of this. Now, he ranks good in these categories. Good in transition, good in isolation, good in handoff situations. Transition, isolation, handoffs. That's a lot of what the Thunder do. That's a lot of what you know, the NBA does. He ranks very good against man defense, and in half-court sets. That's primarily what you're going to see in the NBA. We talk about how the Thunder lean towards analytics. There's no better analytics than Synergy, and he ranks. this is how he ranks in all these categories. Whenever he's shooting runners, he shoots 46%. Like the other guards that they've brought to this team who <laughs> have struggled at this, he does struggle at the rim a bit, but the runners are an encouraging sign to kind of add it as a repertoire move to his game as he tries to get better at attacking the rim. Now, here's where the numbers are interesting. Catch and shoot, just the raw catch and shoot total. So every catch and shoot shot, 35%. Now, when he is left open on the catch and shoot, that number jumps to 40%. That is going to be an area where we have to see him duplicate that and improve that a bit in the NBA. Because to crack that starting group, you're going to need to play off ball more with Shea. Now, Shea's very versatile. Shea can do it off ball, as we saw his first year in Oklahoma City. But Shea wants to be a point guard, so that's why we're kind of talking more off-ball with these rookies. I know that you might be thinking to yourself, well, Shea's already shown at the NBA level he can excel off-ball, so why don't you move him off-ball? Well, if he wants to be a point guard, let's see how these other guys can adapt around him as he's kind of your leader and your superstar type of player, your max contract player. So I think that there's encouragement in the catch-and-shoot numbers more than what I thought heading into it. There's also the intangible things of, like, He's a 6'5 player now and had a huge growth spurt this past offseason, meaning that he's probably still going to be growing a bit in some capacity, or at least at least has the ability to put more on his frame and, and grow his frame more. He might not get any taller, but he can certainly get bigger as he's still growing uh, everything in the weight room. That's an encouraging sign. He has great work ethic. And look, it's not just the Instagram post about him being in the gym at midnight after draft night. I would understand and, and welcome skepticism of that. I would. 
but I've heard from multiple people that he is a legitimately hard, great worker that would have information on him to know his true kind of character. So I have no question about his work ethic, which I believe in this organization and I believe in this coaching staff that if you put the time in with them and you and you kind of dedicate yourself to them, they're going to make you better. We've seen it. We've seen proof of it with every player to a man on the roster last year. I think that his best role is a absolute bench killer that creates for himself is a bona fide bucket getter. And while creating for himself, he creates for others. Because unlike in college basketball, here's where his game kind of gets better in the NBA. Unlike college basketball, if he is just breaking off his defender and he is creating for himself with these step back threes and he can pull from right at half court, if he's doing all that at the NBA and this and this skill set translates for him offensively, you cannot key on him the way that you could in college. Because in college, he did not have NBA players to kick it out to or to pass it off to. In college, he had Scotty Lewis. He, I mean, he had some he had some good players, but now you give him a team where he has 17 NBA quality players who are going to make your, your defense pay if you kind of overcorrect and overhelp on Trey Mann. And I think that his playmaking ability is good enough to where if you overcorrect, overhelp on him, he will be able to find the open man. If you're getting double teams when he's open, and he'll be able to find that. Again, his role, I think, is a great sixth man who elevates your offense to nth degree and who could close certain games if you just need offense and you need it to be a shootout. You know, hey, you know what? It's the final five minutes. We have not stopped them all night offensively. At this point, we've got to match bucket for bucket and just hope we can outlast them. In those kind of games, that's what Trey Mann's built for. And Trey Mann does create a very interesting kind of situation with roster construction. Right now, Svi's a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. Does it make Svi expendable? Do you let Svi walk this year and not match his contract? Is Ty Jerome expendable? As Ty Jerome, who I loved watching him play last year, I love Ty Jerome's game a ton. But is he expendable now as he's going to be creeping up on getting that extension from his rookie contract? Is he going to be a guy that you can use as a sweetener? And then you know, if he doesn't show before during the season, you know how high I am on Tail Malma. But when we're talking about making trades and trying to acquire better and great talent, it's clear that picks alone are not going to do that. It's clear that just a bundle of picks are going to do that. You need something to be a sweetener. Can the NBA world value tail enough and, and kind of view him as a sweetener? And then he's expendable because of how good Trey Mann is. This is all contingent upon Trey Mann actually being good, obviously. And it's not a decision you make tomorrow, but in the future, if Trey Mann pans out, you now have unlimited flexibility. You have a guy who's back on a rookie deal from square one that you don't need to pay for a while and can make these other players kind of expendable because of how good he is. Again, I'm not going to make this choice tomorrow. You're not going to choose between him or, or Svi or Jerome or Taylor tomorrow, but in the future, it can have an impact on the roster. Coming up, we'll talk about JRE and Aaron Wiggins, and then also talk about the NBA draft as a whole. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at rockauto.com, rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car would ever need at rockauto.com. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars, not a single thing about cars. But I don't have to know anything about cars. All I have to know is my make, my model, my year. Put that into the database, and they're only going to show me car parts that are compatible with my vehicle that way. I'm not wasting time, effort, money on parts I cannot use, parts I do not need. I love it at rockauto.com. Check it out, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, 
reliably, a little prices of the parts your car will need, tell them Lockdown sent you. And then how did you hear about this box? They're going to ask you, hey, how did you hear about us? Tell them Lockdown sent you. And you do that and tell them Lockdown sent you. They're going to hook you up. They're going to know what to do from there. Go check it out, rockauto.com, all the parts your car will ever need. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I want to talk right now about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. What is his value, the second round pick out of Villanova? Number one, got to value Villanova, guys. Like it's, At this point, it's proven that Jay Wright creates NBA players. Now, they might not be superstars. They might not be incredible, amazing, jaw-dropping players, but they are NBA players. They are contributors. They are guys who value and have value and impact winning. That is what you get when you draft a Villanova player. And let's talk about his synergy numbers. So this, these are the categories that, that Jeremiah Robinson Earl are, is excellent at. He's, he's excellent with the shot clock under four seconds, shooting 43%. He's excellent against man defense, shooting 50%. He's excellent as an offensive rebounder. And he's also excellent around the basket. This allows him to play very versatile. I think that that can translate to being a small ball five in the NBA. I think that he just has a knack for rebounding. And also, he's aggressive. He understands rebounding. He understands positioning, how to seal off defenders, how to box out defenders. He understands how the ball is going to bounce off the rim. He understands it. He, he gets it. It's not a matter of right place, right time. It's not a matter of just being big. It's a matter of understanding the technique of rebounding. He gets that. That's why I feel so confident in his excellent ability of rebounding translating to the NBA. Excellent around the basket as well, which shows you that he can muscle up and go back up and put the ball back uh, for a rebound. He's also a good passer. For his, for his size, he's a good passer. Thus, getting that rebound is truly creating another possession as he can kick it out to your guards and let you set back up for 14 seconds of, of a next play. Now, this is where he's very good at. He's very good as a spot-up shooter. Very good as a post-up score. Very good as a cutter. Very good defender. And that very good defense is a great sign. Again, we talked about this with Trey Mann. With Mark Degenhardt, I trust he'll progress anybody defensively. I think that Mark could make me a better defender than I am today. Now, granted, that would be making me from a zero defender to one defender, but nonetheless, a better defender than I am today. He can do it with anybody. And so giving him a very good defender, who, by the way, defended the best players in college and also defended one through five, so positionless defender, going one through five, having to take on any assignment he could. That's a great son that he can become even, even better than that and kind of be, kind of teach him the things to progress him as an excellent defender and get him into that next category. Now, in college, he was excellent as a defender defending side out plays. And now this is where I like to see his success come from because in college, that's kind of the, the time it gets bogged down. Whenever you have a side out, uh, and especially whenever you have a side out with with time on your side, right? Not not rushing anything. You're going to set up in a in a traditional offensive set, and it's going to look more NBA like. Now the, the execution won't be NBA like, but still NBA like, to where the game's slowed down a bit, and you are now facing off with understanding how to beat schemes in a team offense. And he did that very well, obviously going at an excellent level. Now, what is Jerry? To me, he's an all time glue guy. He'll be a guy that's sought after for a very, 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 very long time as a key contributor. Will he be an all-star? I don't think that he'll ever be an all-star. Will he be kind of a superstar? Obviously not. But I think that he can be that player that holds it all together for you. And, and that will come in a multitude of roles. I think at some point in his career, he'll start. and other points in his career, he'll be a seventh man that is doing everything possible to win you a championship, and he helps you do that. I would be stunned. I would be absolutely floored if at some point in his career, JRE does not win a title. 
or at least come close to a title. Obviously, winning a title is very fluky, very you know, kind of um, lucky in a lot of ways. I mean, the Bucks last year, if Kevin Durant wears the proper shoe size and does not up his size up to feel more comfortable, they don't win a title last year. So, like, obviously, it's hard to actually win one, but I think that he'll put himself in position and teams will want him so bad that have title aspirations that he'll be in that hunt uh, for a majority of his career. He's going to be an all-time glue guy. Now, he has not signed his contract yet because as a second rounder, it's kind of, you know, of course, it's not guaranteed. I would expect, and then again, this is just guessing, I would guess that his contract looks something like that of a late first-round pick. And there's some opt-outs or non-guaranteed dates or whatever, but the, the base of the contract is that of a late first-round pick. You trade two first-round picks for this guy to get up and make sure you get him. He could have fallen to the slots that the Thunder had, but they wanted to make sure they targeted this guy and got him. It To me, it shows value in him in a second-round pick, and you're going to give him at least what you know the 20th overall pick is going to get for that slot. So that's where I would see his contract situation being, and that leaves you with one two-way spot open because you've already signed Aaron Wiggins to a two-way deal. And Aaron Wiggins, plain and simple, if he progresses as a three-point shooter, he'll be a great 3 and D player that's like an 11th or 12th man, which is a great NBA career. Now... The bonus here for Aaron Wiggins is that he's going to go into an organization in the Thunder who highly value two-way guys, who give two-way guys every opportunity, who do not treat them like G League players. They treat them like NBA players, and then they play in the G League sometimes. And for him, he's going to get Summer League on Sunday. He's going to get a training camp. He's going to get a full G League season, hopefully. And he'll have every opportunity and every developmental point that you can possibly have to make this team for an organization who clearly covets that success story of, hey, look, we've converted another player on the, on the two-way deal to an NBA roster spot. They had a very long history of this so far. I mean, Deontay Burton, and to Lou Dort, and to Moses Brown, and it goes on and on for this Thunder organization these last couple of years. Can it continue with Aaron Wiggins? We'll see. And we'll see how they fill out another, uh, the other two-way contract. Again, Summer League will happen on Sunday for the Thunder. It's happening right now in Salt Lake City and in Sacramento for other teams. And they'll, of course, join the Thunder in Vegas as well on Sunday. Now, we went a bit long on this podcast, so we're going to save the NBA draft as a whole, you know, winners and losers of the entire NBA uh, for later on. But let me know, how are you feeling now? As we've had a few days, almost a week to progress or, or decompress from the draft, how are you feeling with the shock factor of Josh Giddey now? How are you feeling about Trey Mann now, about JRE now? Did I, did I alleviate some of your concerns at all? Did I help you uh, buy into Josh Giddey anymore? Giddy up. Let me know on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Call into the show. Let me know. 405-362-7128. No phone, no Twitter. Then try to email. Elevenderpod at gmail.com. Always a way for you to get connected into the show. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Lockdown Thunder. Giddy up.